You're listening to This Is Spinal Crap, the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury. Remember, if you heard it on This Is Spinal Crap, it's probably not medically correct, so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional. This Is Spinal Crap is sponsored by Colourplast, providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management. Good morning, Spinal Crappers, or good afternoon, or good night, or whatever time it is that you're listening to the show. We're just glad that you're here. Um, today in studio, there is, as always, myself, Ruth Early. There is also Ian Mackey. Hello. And lo and behold, is this an apparition, Ian? Could it possibly <laughs> He's be? He's back! Hey. It's Mark the Hardman Henderson. Hello. <laughs> I call you Hardman because we know that you've been, like, you know, single-handedly taking on the Royal Courts of Justice. Oh, yes. Or maybe not single-handedly. You've had, you've had, you've, you've had, you've had I've a had few people. I've had quite a bit of help. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does make you pretty hard, doesn't it? Um, I'll ask you about that in just a moment. But first of all, we need to wish Mark a happy birthday. Hey, happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mark. Happy birthday to you. And the spinal crappers listening can't see my brilliant presence yet. And in fact, neither can I. (laughs) (laughs) It's all a surprise, Mark. The surprise of nothingness. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ian, how has social media been getting on? Yeah, good. So uh, go back through this because Chris isn't here yet again. Uh, so please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. Tell your friends and family as well as follow us on the socials. Instagram at This Is Spinal Crap. Twitter and Facebook at Spinal Crap Show. Email us at thisispinalcrap at gmail.com. The website www.thisispinalcrap.com and sign up for our newsletter. We love hearing from you including everyone at Backup, so we want people from Backup to send us questions. Uh, my mum and dad. Anyone's mum and dad. We don't care. And, and what about SIA and Aspire SIA well? and Aspire. We don't discriminate. Every, we don't discriminate and and, and any anyone. other charity. Any other charity who any wants to charity. get in contact, please do so. And ask us a really clever question or just to say hi. So please, please, please get in contact. He really needs some validation. <laughs> you noticed. Of course, we're also delighted to welcome into the studio today two lovely ladies who listeners might remember from last week's show. Um, they were here talking to us about walking um, and they've come back because we just love them so much. Um, we, we told Jack to stay at home this time though. <laughs> we have the lovely Holly Pullum and Kim Bowler. Hi, Hi. girls. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Ladies, lovely to have you both back with us for this episode. Um, and this week we're going to be talking about mental health. And um, before we get into the nitty gritty, though, we need to catch up with Mark a little bit. We have most definitely missed you, and we're glad that you're back. Um, you haven't been here since we moved into the studio, so what's the verdict? What do you think, of the studio? Well, it's lovely to have somewhere in Soho. Uh, it, it means that uh, while I'm waiting to get in, we can pop out and get a quick mojito. <laughs> That's a great improvement. You said coffee, but okay. <laughs> and the studio is very plush. It's nice, isn't it? Very good, very good. Um, so tell us everything. What, what, what has been keeping you away from us for so long? How is your battle with the courts of justice going? Well, um, I was engaged in a trial uh, when the last episodes were on 
Um, and that is now finished. Uh, so I have a bit more time on my hands. Did you catch the baddies? Uh, catch the baddies. <laughs> <laughs> not a lawyer. Not a lawyer. <laughs> I won't say any more about that. The battle for access to courts is ongoing. We are supposed to be doing a quote walkthrough of the um, Royal Courts of Justice <laughs> sometime soon, where whereby we go through the labyrinth corridors and floors of the Royal Courts of Justice mm. and just point out the hurdles that will be faced by people in wheelchairs, in different sorts of wheelchairs. And, so, and also people with walking and, aids. Yeah. And also, yes. Okay, good. And then we hope that there will be some uh, more general changes made and uh, better performing and better and more reliable lifts put in. I was famously less left stranded at a platform lift in the Royal Courts of Justice, which absolutely nobody on the staff could get to work, uh, which wasn't ideal, particularly since I was acting for Jeremy Corbyn, though happily only at a procedural hearing rather than a trial, so no harm was done. So it has nothing to do but... with the election result at all, then, for your involvement, no? <laughs> no, I am the one... Well, not the one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the one. I'm one of the few that cannot be blamed in my view. Anyway. No, Mark, you are the one. Full <laughs> <Yeah. We'll> stop. <laughs> but that cloud did have a silver lining in that it got some press coverage. And as a result of that, the RCJ did reach out to us. Uh, we've had meetings with them. Um, attended by colleagues in the Association of Disabled Lawyers and Brian from SIA, who oh, I know you've had on a previous episode. Yeah. And that was all really positive. Really, you couldn't have looked for better publicity then than getting stuck in the Royal Courts of Justice when you're representing Jeremy Corbyn and getting into the papers. I mean, that's like you couldn't sell it up any better than yeah. that, could you? <laughs> it wasn't a stunt, honestly. <laughs> but ironic, ironically, my my uh, my opponent, who says he, I didn't give the story to the to the legal press, he says he didn't. But have you still uh, got the fuse was, lift in your pocket? He, <laughs> <laughs> he was also a wheelchair user, but can stand oh. with assistance. So he was also trapped at the same point as me, but was able to climb the steps eventually with assistance okay um tell us as well about um you've been um you're now a trustee with sia i am yes and how's that been going how how, how did that happen well i s spoke to people at sia and they said that they were looking for diversity among in the trustees in terms of the length of time that people had been living with an injury. So they wanted more people who had recently been injured. And I had first come across SIA uh, when I was in hospital before I even got to Stanmore, to the spinal unit. Mm. And their website was a massive source of information for yeah. me initially. And then I met the... Uh, 
peers, support uh, workers from SIA at Stanmore, and they were absolutely brilliant. So I was quite inspired by the organisation and also by the fact that they take the lead in campaigning and lobbying work. And Mm. a lot of my legal work is political one way or another. So I was really enthused to get on it. And they encouraged me to stand. I wasn't elected, but then they asked uh, if I wanted to be co-opted. So I said yes. And Mm. then there I was. Very good, very good. Well, um, it sounds like you've been busy and we're glad that you're back. And so for, it's a good show to be back for. We're going to be talking about mental health. Um, and it is it is such an all-encompassing term. Um, so there are many, many, there are many podcasts that are specifically dedicated to discussing mental health in all its various forms. Um, so one episode of ours can hardly do uh, justice to the spectrum of difficulties that, that somebody with a spinal cord injury can face. But we are going to just have a chat about um, the problems we've experienced or, or some of the more common ones and, and, and how we cope. Um, if the conversation in this episode is uh, the, the conversation is c- could potentially turn quite serious and um if the if the conversation is going to make anybody feel uncomfortable or trigger them in any way then we would suggest they turn off the podcast now and and maybe go 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 back start listening from beginning of series 1 at some of the really fun stuff that we <laughs> that we started <laughs> off with um also remember that we're not medical or psychology professionals so we'd like to reiterate that it is a discussion only about our personal experiences and if you are having trouble please do go speak to your GP or any um, talking therapy professionals that you are in contact with. Um, I think it's fair to say that our emotional psychological and social well-being take a bit of a bashing follow a spinal cord injury would I be right? Mm. Without a doubt. Yeah I felt like I'd been stomped. Stomped. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody escapes it. I mean, some people may may handle it a lot better than others. Some people mm. may struggle a lot more, but nobody really escapes it. Um, and how we're affected can vary dramatically. Ian, you were very keen on doing a show about mental health. Yeah, I, um, I struggled hugely. Um, in the last episode, we spoke about being walkers. Mm. Uh, in my spinal unit, I was a walker amongst people who were C-sections. So C-sections. I, C-section break, sorry. C- um, the maternity unit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you really felt like a fish out of water, come didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No wonder I felt guilty. <laughs> How did your gynecologist yeah, do exactly, with that? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, there was a lot of guilt for me uh, and also how I coped with my injury. So I knew I wasn't going to be the same again, but there were people around me who were worse than I was. So it was a very hard situation to try and express how I felt to people. Um, so I spoke to a mentor at Backup uh, who helped me hugely uh, try to come to terms with sort of the guilt in one I felt and two, in trying to um, come to terms with what happened to me as well as. Okay, and did you find that um, did did the mental health side of things was that almost as difficult to deal with as the mobility element? Was it worse? Harder. Was it, that was worse. Yeah. yeah, the mental side of things was a lot worse. I struggled hugely in in the spinal unit. I, yeah. I mean, I freely admit I was saving paracetamols at one point. I was looking at how I could sort of dive off a balcony, and you know, if I went head first, really? and perhaps yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay, it was pretty horrific. Um, and it wasn't until I left the spinal unit and 
I took a bit more of control of what was going on around me by speaking to someone. Because you can't, for me, I couldn't speak to my friends because they didn't understand, couldn't speak to my family because they didn't understand. No one was going through what I was going through. No one could feel how I felt. Um, so what are the options? You know, I was a very active person uh, previous to my injury. I had a very active job. Um, you know, everything for me had just crumbled around my ears. I just got married. You know, how, how was I gonna cope with that? How was I gonna support my wife? I couldn't do my job anymore. And it, and it goes, the list just goes on and then you spiral and spiral and spiral and out into this depth of despair. Just, just horrific. I think in hospital as well, there's not very much to do except lie there and think. And, and mull it over, Is yeah. there, So everything becomes magnified because you're yeah. so stuck in bed quite a lot of the time or there's not very, very much to do over the weekend. So you do just think and you get trapped in your head, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, completely. And I couldn't, I didn't feel as only I was understanding or listening to what I was saying. So it, it, I found it very difficult. And I'm not, I, well, I haven't been someone who was prolific on social media, so I didn't really know about the charities. Aspire, obviously, because they were where they were at Stanmore. Um, they're based in Stanmore. Um, so it wasn't until I think it was my mum contacted Backup because she was so worried. Um, and then I got in contact with a mentor through Backup and then it sort of all started unravelling from there. I managed to sort of try and sort myself out. Did you tell people that you were feeling that way at the time? Um, nearest and dearest. So I think Stacy obviously knew mm-hmm. um, and my mum and dad knew, but I'd, probably not anyone else. I think if people listening to this, they'd probably find it quite upsetting that I was saving drugs. That, that, that was That's where I was. I was at the depths of despair. I didn't know what else to do. Oh God, I'm, I didn't realise that things had gotten that bad for you. I know that when we met you, had you kind of improved a little bit from that yeah yeah so i was on i was on the up so and there was actually an article written about my stay in spinal uh, in my spinal unit it's from stanmore and it basically was about peer support um and meeting you guys and i've said this before helped me hugely to speak to people around who'd had similar sort of injuries and we could then discuss what what you were going through oh yeah you do that oh i do that as well and then it sort of brought me up and out the mire even more and was that the first time you would realised that there were people who did actually understand what you were going through? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Although there were guys in my uh, unit, we didn't really speak. We didn't really speak about that at all. Not about mental health or what we each of us were going through. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of an unspoken thing. You just got on with it. Okay, Mark, did you have a similar experience? Yeah. Or, well, just, or what was your experience? I suffered multiple injuries in my fall so I also had a serious head injury which uh, left destroyed my left inner inner ear hearing um, and also caused a traumatic brain injury so I had both the adjustment disorder um, which comes from the spinal injury and uh, ongoing what they term neurological fatigue, um, probably better described as brain fatigue, uh, as a result of the TBI, traumatic brain injury, which I have been getting really good support for at the National Neurology Hospital since my release, and they've got a really brilliant vocational rehab team there. Uh, But the combination of that, which made my brain get more tired um, dealing with 
a lot of different levels of problems together with the impact of uh, the complete spinal cord injury when I don't think I'd ever spent a night in hospital before or had anything worse than a cold was, yeah, very difficult and continues to be. What do you do to cope with it then, Mark? Okay, well, from the from the outset, uh, there are psych there is a psychiatrist and psychologists uh, at the spinal unit who everyone gets to see, and I found them really helpful because whereas some of the messaging you're getting when you're newly injured is all for understandable reasons about how nothing needs to change, you can all go back and do exactly the same things. That's not necessarily an entirely useful message for somebody who doesn't feel that way at all. And the psychiatrist at Stanmore, first thing he said to me when I told him how I was feeling, well, was, well, it's not surprising because you have suffered a catastrophe. <laughs> And that yeah, was strangely that's, soothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and now I find uh, meditation yeah. certainly helps. I've got ongoing support, as I said, from the OTs and psychologists at the National Urology Hospital. And sleep is really important because I've got quite a demanding and competitive job I'm self-employed uh, there's a limit to the support I can look I can look to at work um, so it's and whereas before the injury I would often get by on very little sleep quite easily in mm. order to um, fit more things in uh, prepare for a trial etc now I absolutely have to get sleep for so that my brain can sort of reorder itself um, because it is having to cope with the effect of the access problems of trying to get into work, which is a struggle in itself when I'm going to court, uh, together with all the old stressors of actually fighting your opponents in a trial. OK, um, so there's, yeah, I mean, there's quite a range of, of different issues that are coming up there. Do they carry on, Kim? Do they... Is there ever a time where um, all of these mental health difficulties kind of go away or is it something that you have to keep managing? So for me, I would like to point out specifically as well that mental health and mental illness is very different in every person the same way as a spinal injury is very different for every person as well. So I have a history of mental illness. Okay. Uh, I had suffered two bouts of depression before my accident and after my accident I developed PTSD and with that fairly severe anxiety uh, had a lot of treatment for that and then developed depression due to my injury being a walker having an ongoing personal injury case it just dragged on and drawn, dragged on and dragged on uh, and then I had a, a new stressor because I was being sued by someone I had two court cases on at the same time mm. and had a major mental breakdown uh, I realised I'd been in bed for six days, I hadn't showered, I hadn't eaten, I'd done nothing but cry. And I thought, wow, I just can't keep doing this to myself. So I went to see a psychiatrist, uh, was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, put on some medication, simplified my life 
and now uh, it was a really good word that you used just then I manage my life I have to be quite strict about what I allow myself to do how much time I recover from things um, such as I work part-time I know that I'm going to get the same issues with Mark with his brain I had a mild traumatic brain injury so I need to manage that as well so I work on Monday I I schedule sleep on a Tuesday I don't schedule anything for Tuesdays at all and that's part of my life management it helps with my pain and fatigue with my spinal injury it helps with my mental load for my mental illness and uh, just keeps me focused on living the best life I can in the least stressful way I can. Okay, that's probably really good advice for anybody who who does have a mental illness or even who is managing their mental health, trying to to make make themselves as healthy as possible. Ian, how much do you sleep? Uh, Now, I I try and sleep a lot. So I I relate a lot to what Kim just said regarding sleep. I think my issue with the hospital or the spinal unit, I should say, was lack of sleep. Mm. And and that just exacerbated Mm. everything. Mm. And I wouldn't take antidepressants. I didn't want to be beholden. That was just for me. Uh, I don't like taking drugs anyway. Mm. Um, And I just, when I went to see the um, medical professional who advised me to take antidepressants, I said, no, I can't do that. And that's what sort of kicked me into gear and said, I've got to change something. Um, I can't continue going on this downward spiral. Something's got to change. Hence, got involved with backup, started talking about things, talking about things, getting more sleep, more sleep helps, understanding my new body now because my body had changed and it was asking different things of me. So therefore, instead of going all out all day, boom and bust, I would have to take what I would say nourishing times and take relaxing breaks throughout the day to then be able to cope in the evening. So what do you do now? Since since that that was obviously no time has moved on since then. What do you do now to look after yourself on a daily basis? Um, I I still take breaks basically. So I I can't I can't continue going down the same road of doing the boom and bust. Mm-hmm. I know I keep on saying this. Um, so I I volunteer at the moment in a, a motorcycle restoration uh, place. So I do one day on one day off, and then I have a day at work or volunteering where I will do not as much as I can but I will do um, I will work um, or help out and then the next day I will go to the gym I'll maybe have a swim I'll just relax do some paperwork not do anything that's going to sort of really wear me out paperwork yeah I'm, paperwork I'm, is I have how you lot, manage your mental I have, health yeah I have a lot of paperwork <laughs> it gets it done it gets it done yeah. it's, it, 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 it takes it out of your head because otherwise you're going to worry yeah. about it and I worry about okay. I've probably got the paperwork to do because you know there's things going on with my work there's a claim for um obviously i was knocked off by a guy uh, on my motorbike so there's an insurance claim going through there so there's a fair bit of paperwork going on and around at the moment so So do you do you find that scheduling your day then helps yeah so do you schedule rest and schedule sleep Mm. yes as well yeah yeah so i i I went to cbt um which has so helped me cognitive hu- behavior therapy yeah which which helped me hugely um i also saw a psycho or a psychiatrist as well which i didn't find as helpful as cbt to be fair and the cbt has helped me understand um the situation of being able to relax you know having having a nourishing time do something do something nice but it's do about something, it's about challenging nice. how you think isn't it and, and yeah, your behaviors yeah yeah absolutely and um, i think as well that i mean there's I do a lot of little things like um, 
I use essential oils and I do, and I actually find that my doing my physio exercises actually makes me feel a little bit better every day as well. Um, or even if it is something like going for a swim, I've been a little bit lazy recently, but I'm trying to get back into it. Um, but I, I find that, I mean, I think we all know that activity is, is one of the best things mm-hmm. you can do, isn't it? Um, but it's so much easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of these things. Going to the gym has helped me hugely. Yeah. I go to the gym. I know Jacques, who was on last week, he goes to the gym as well. Um, and I, I think that helps because you're in an environment maybe with your friends where you can have a chat, maybe you go for a beer afterwards or mm. just and just being social and just talking about mm. things as well as doing something active which is going to release the endorphins in your brain which makes you feel better, etc, etc. I remember doing the, my occupational therapy degree and got the textbook out and <clears> it was like, right, you need to do three things every day self-care, leisure and productivity Okay. And I was like, and self-care includes rest, and that is incredibly productive as well. Wow! And actually, seeing rest as an incredibly productive time. I'm learning this recently. I've been, yeah, I, yeah I've been back in Stanmore, yeah. and they've been telling me off for not, not sleeping <laughs> yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, and for the being the whole boom, boom, boom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where is this bus? There's a song about like, that. Yeah. <laughs> I know there is. It enters yeah. my brain yeah. every five minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Holly, there's a reason that I have left you to last here oh. because I think a lot of the time when we talk about mental health um, or mental illnesses, we think of anxiety and depression. But you, I specifically didn't ask you last week mm-hmm. how you sustained your injury because um, you have a very different story for many of the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you for being brave enough to come in and tell us. Um, so would you like to share with the listeners what how, how you got your spinal cord injury? Yep, so um, I was quite unwell mentally before my injury for about a year. I had a series of um, hospitalizations before that, um, before my spinal cord injury, um, with things related to my mental health. And at the time I was self-harming. Um, and I, I wasn't acknowledging to myself that it was self-harm. I was trying to hide it from myself. You know, I was doing it through things like being careless when I was on my mountain bike, being careless when I was going hiking, just doing things, not necessarily letting go, but not holding on tight enough. And then um, I lost my voice for three months for, at one point from stress. My vocal cords just, just went to tension and the ENT consultant was like, you might never get this back. This is the worst case I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that was obviously quite depressing, being mute and not thinking I'd ever be able to speak again. Um, and so that obviously sent me into a, a very dark, much darker place where I just felt completely numb and I couldn't feel anything. It was like a glass wall had come down around me. And so in order to, to feel something, to like try and shock some sort of change, I was, I was self-harming. Um, and I was starting to hear sort of voices talking to me. Um, and having to have like arguments in my head with them um, and some at the top of a bike ride um, a jump because I did a lot of mountain biking and um, I was constantly always fighting these voices saying no I'm not going to do it um, but on that day they just convinced me to to go off to the jump and to to not not land it <laughs> so went through the air and landed on my head at two meters and snapped my neck Oof. but the first thing I felt was relief and that was, and that was when I realised how ill I had been. Was I was lying there? Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't feel anything from the neck down, and all I felt was relief. Yeah. So, so in a strange way. So then, you know, I go into, and before that, I'd been to my GP, and I said, I don't feel right. And the poor GP, he couldn't do anything. His hands are tied. He can't 
accessing mental health services for me because at that point I hadn't reached a crisis point because we know what it's like at the moment in the NHS um, and I just got given a card to go and see a counsellor which obviously is not it didn't it didn't work for me um, but then obviously when I got to Spana unit all of a sudden I get access to these psychologists mm. I get access to all these charities the mentoring and actually the spinal cord injury for me was the start of my recovery from mental illness um, and so and then obviously I dealt with all the stuff but it wasn't anywhere near as bad as what I felt like before because at least when I was in pain and I was going through things it wasn't as bad as feeling numb so yeah so it was quite so my spinal cord injury has been very positive wow I mean you don't hear yeah. you don't hear that said too often do you no. and how like your family and friends and the people around you did they understand what you'd been going through yeah but I think it's just so elusive and strange because you know I was functional at the time and yeah. I think that's what it is about mental illness you're, you're functioning yeah. on the top and everyone's always known you as this happy go because I am inside I'm a very happy person very happy go lucky outgoing extrovert and and I denied it to myself I was like I can't be depressed mm. I can't have these thoughts because that's not the type of person I am I didn't understand it enough to be able to do anything um, but I think now almost the spinal cord injury itself shows the magnanimity of that to my family and my friends so now if I'm feeling like under stress and I feel like I'm going to a bad place and they're like oh don't worry about it I'm like no because you know what happened last time stuff does happen so no I'm not going there and it's it's actually helped me to put my boundaries up to be able to communicate much better and to just cope yeah it can become you know you can become quite expert in masking things yeah oh yeah 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 definitely yeah but do you do you have a like a mental health crisis plan that you have in place, or is that not no, necessary now? It's not necessary now. Yeah. yeah, I think part of the reason why I was so ill before was this lack of purpose in my life, and I think through doing all the charitable work through backup and the sort of new life that I found post injury, that's that's given me a lot of the core things that I need. Um, but you know, I've had a particularly tough time on one placement in my occupational therapy course, and the self-harming ideation did start to come back. But I just, I just walked away. I just. And can you can you recognise it now? Oh yeah, I'm very, very strong at recognising it, and I just I won't ever go there ever again. Mm-hmm. Do you communicate with it. other people what you're going through, or do you just internalise and do it yourself, or how how? Um, I talk to other people about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm very sure. very open. Yeah. I mean, that's just me. I'm just like open mouth. It comes out. Yeah sort of thing so and now that I understand it and it just and every time I've talked to someone it helps someone yeah, yeah. and I'm just like and that in turn knowing that it helps someone helps me yeah. so it's like a yeah. cyclical thing yeah. so I think we should just all talk about this yeah um, we're yeah. glad that you're yeah. talking exactly. about it yeah. because I'm sure there are yeah. listeners out there when I spoke to you uh, on the phone mm-hmm. the other day Holly we you opened my eyes up to the amount of spinal cord injuries that may actually be caused oh definitely by <coughs> poor mental health or people with mental illnesses who have you know mm. for whatever reason have ended up with, with a spinal cord injury and I don't think that that was something that I really had ever been aware of before yeah you know like you hear people saying oh I got drunk and I fell off this well why are you drinking in the first place and falling down the stairs at home it's because you know maybe you were trying to cope with a mental illness at the time or driving dangerously risk-taking all sort of behaviours that are symptoms of mental illness um, and also suicide attempts that haven't quite you know yeah. got there so it's yeah it was in, it was definitely something that 
just highlighted even more when I started going on my placements. I was working on trauma orthopaedics ward and a lot of the people who came in, the reasons they'd had their accidents, broken their bones and things like that, it was because of a social or emotional psychological problem. I suppose uh, one of the reasons we probably haven't heard very much about it, say, on spinal units or, or whatever, is because it is a very sensitive topic mm. and it's obviously something between every individual and whatever their their psychology team. Um, but if there is anybody listening um, who, as I said at the beginning of the show, this is what, what, what I was thinking about. If there is anybody who's affected by this, we would recommend that you go and, and find help. S- sending us messages on, on um, social media while we're more than happy to talk to you is not an answer. We are not uh, professionals. And so please do speak to your GP, your psychology team or whoever, whatever support you have. If you don't have that support around, go, go speak to your GP and, and tell them that you need it. The, the, the point is to talk about it though exactly. you don't yeah, need yeah, to hide yeah. it oh, you don't, yeah. you don't yeah. need yeah. to feel ashamed yeah. about it yeah. you've got nothing to hide yeah. or nothing to feel feel guilty about do no. talk about it yeah absolutely yeah. but also to make sure that they're just as a professional yes. that you're talking to a professional <laughs> you know it was difficult when I was on the ward. You know, everyone says, oh, how did you get your accident? And everyone else is like, oh, I had a car accident. I came off my bike. And I I didn't want to say I did it to myself because I felt like then I would be perceived as unworthy. Mm. And there's a care. stigma yeah. attached and to it. And, then, you know. yeah. and, and, you know, and sometimes when you say to someone, oh, I, you know, I, I got this from being mentally unwell, all of a sudden they don't know how to react because they, you know, which is fair enough because they're, they're unsure and there's a little bit of a distance and... But, but actually, like, you know, the more I, more I realise people aren't going to judge me, that actually, if I'm just open about it and I make them feel comfortable with it, it is. then that's just... Yeah, yeah I, I had so some amazing better. friends I spoke to at the time, people who I wouldn't have considered sort of be on my inner circle at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I managed to speak to them um, about what I was going through, and that helped hugely, massively. People I didn't really... You know, somebody from work just came to see me from... At the, the spinal unit and I was like wow and we got talking and then it all came out and it, yeah it's amazing where you can get support from really so close to you with, that you don't even realise I think I've changed the way that I talk to people a lot over the last two years that I may not have talked to people in terms of how I was feeling necessarily before whereas now I don't hold back you know if I'm talking yeah. to a friend and they say how are you and I say well actually you know what today I'm uh, whatever it might yeah. be whereas I mightn't have done that before and I don't think I don't know where that came from or why but um, I think a, a, lot, a lot of it was meeting all the people that I've that I've met over the last couple of years mm. and I've made I've, I've decided now that my life is divided into three groups of people <laughs> there's the people that I always knew before before my injury and um, there's the people that I've gotten to know who have spinal cord injuries since and then there's the people that I've got to know who don't have spinal cord injuries but who are just so much more accepting mm. of what's going mm. on because they've only ever known you with an injury yeah mm. um and yeah and I I I, I you know, differentiate them from the people with the spinal cord injury because they obviously don't have the exact same, you know, knowledge. But I, with th- those people, I'm just like, the minute they say, how are you? I'm like, well, this is how I am, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, um, and, and which is quite freeing, really, I, I find. And, and, well, and much part easier. of my nourishing time is to go for breakfast or lunch with my friends and talk about things and just get out in the open and... Yeah walk away going ah great mm. okay reset let's go do, do you ever struggle to talk to people um who you were friends with before your injury who i mean and they understand that you've got an injury but they don't understand what that means 
Or did, does anybody else have yes, that? Yes. Uh, no. So mm-hmm. I, I, I was fairly blunt when I was first injured and when every person came individually to meet me at the hospital just to catch up and I would sort of sit them down and say, I have a spinal injury and I use a wheelchair now. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? How do you feel about it? Is, does it change your perception? Do you have any questions? And I found that that bluntness was probably quite helpful because people were forced to talk about any uh, inhibitions they had, uh, any curiosity they had. And in some cases, it brought out that people were not prepared to make allowances for me with a wheelchair now. So some of those friendships didn't come forwards. Other friendships leapt forwards, like like you were just saying now. Um, uh, new friends arrived as well, and having a wheelchair or not doesn't mean anything to them because that's all they've known of you. So, yeah, You've things do change. you about changing relationships and friend, mm. losing oh, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, is yeah, it, yeah. Have people Pe- lost many friends? People I thought Loads. who were going to be there weren't there. But yeah. then, you know, and you're surprised by the people who are though. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but oh, then yeah. my some of my family members have had cancer, and they had a similar situation mm. going through mm. cancer. Is that some of their friends couldn't cope with the fact they? I, I, I'm not sure what they couldn't cope with. Maybe the fact they might not live. Maybe the fact they had the disease in the first place. But someone who was very close now, virtually don't speak to. Yeah, interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah. I quite yeah. like though, like say with the people that, like for example, I was recently on on holidays with some friends, and they don't see a, even the slightest bit of difference between me now and me then, which is brilliant because I'm just rude to them. But for me, that was really hard because it was like, oh my god, I need to rest, and I I can't do what you're doing, and I, mm. you know, I can't go out again tonight. I was like, last night, I'm not a crazy person, you know, and uh, you know things like that, and they were just like, what's up with her, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and so. Part Part of, part of you thinks, oh, I'm so frustrated. Why don't you understand this? But the other part of me is like, no, I much prefer that you just see Ruth. You know, mm-hmm. so there's 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 a lot of that comes with it as well. But that, that as, that's a really good thing, I think. When you are just you, you're not your spinal injury, you're yeah. not your mobility aid, you're just yourself. But on, on a, a smaller note, there, that's sometimes not helpful because people aren't making allowances that you do need extra assistance occasionally. Um, like if they invite you to a house party, but it's up four flights of stairs, would you yeah. would you be able to get to that? Um, I would make myself get to it, mm. but they, yeah, it, yeah, it's annoying when you've got when they don't warn you about it mm. in advance. But again, it comes from a place of just them, <coughs> of course, of not not seeing any yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Mark, you look like yeah. you've got something to I say. I think some people are or have conditioned themselves to think that when you're discharged, okay, you're in a wheelchair, but otherwise it's the same you and they should treat you in exactly the same way, but also expect you to behave in exactly the same way, Mm. other than the fact that you need to get around in a wheelchair. And they're not really prepared for the fact that um, even the SCI alone obviously has many other complications almost inevitably affect your mental health you may have other disabilities suffered in the accident and the people who can cope and be supportive with how you actually are post-discharge are not necessarily those you expected I agree hey we should all be familiar with the game by now it is the wheelie clever no it's not 
What is it? It's the role models. <laughs> it's the role models. <laughs> you did, yeah. Um, so I'll uh, imagine what I'd be like if I had one of those things in my ear with producer speaking into it. I would be terrible. All I do is a look from Ian and I get thrown. Okay. I'll ask a question or place you in a hypothetical situation. You have to tell me what you would do or what you think a role model would do. Okay. Question. You're having a bad week, your sleep pattern is out of whack, mood is low, anxiety levels are high, as well as that you've been having a lot of spasms lately and your neuropathic pain is unbearable, and as well as that, your bladder has been misbehaving. You've been arguing with your partner and you're extra irritable, you've scheduled in an appointment with your therapist for next Monday. You've also been really stressed at work and feel like you are stretched to your limits. Working on a project and it's just you and a new intern on the job. So most of the work is falling to you, but at least the intern is helpful for things like photocopying and stapling and other things that are quite time consuming. Friday evening is your deadline and you arrive into work early on Friday morning to get a head start. At 8.50 a.m. you get a text from the intern to say that he or she can't come in because they've been feeling stressed and need to take some time off. What do you do? What would a role model do? I've got to say, it's a very oddly specific detail. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just like last I do week. not have any interns. <laughs> By intern, I mean... I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> Anybody? 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 Uh, Mark, uh, if you've got a paralegal who decides that they're going to... Leave For work. the avoidance of doubt, this was not a scenario I gave. Certain <laughs> <laughs> aspects of it do not sound dissimilar to my life. It's not about Jeremy Corbyn again, is it? <laughs> what would I actually do? What would you? Yeah, in. Well, I mean, I'm in, not sure I could say that on a family show. Okay. <laughs> Ian, what about you? What would you do? Um, I mean, everyone has their own issues, don't they? So I, I would get on with it and let them be sick it's fine it's cool you are definitely the role model yeah well I, I <laughs> yeah. just I, you know life's too short isn't it what do you, What would you do what can you, you do you wouldn't ask yeah, well, if, someone... it, if it means that you're going to be stuck working in over the weekend or something then I'd, st- I'd swallow it because you don't know what the issues they're going through yeah true you wouldn't say oh really well I'm catastrophically yeah. unwell <laughs> <laughs> no do you know what I no, would do because... there I would go to my boss and say look dude or dudette whichever it is <laughs> Um, you've already put me in this horrible situation and I already have no help and now the rubbish help that I have isn't even any help so you're going to stay late tonight and help me <laughs> or yeah. something to that effect I might you know not be quite as blunt as that <laughs> I think you could ask for help from your boss obviously but I mean I, I wouldn't go back to the person who's called in and, and say anything to them I, I, it mm. just, I don't would you be point. slightly ripping though Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I'd ask for an extension to the deadline. Yeah, fair enough. Would you ask them to send in a sick note? No. Yes. Would you do that? Is, uh, that illegal? <laughs> Is that illegal? I think I'm think i showing my true colours here, aren't I? You you're self- five minutes late, you're fired. <laughs> you're self- you can self-certificate up to seven days, can't you? Yeah. What does that, I don't even know what that means. I haven't had a sick day. I've had two sick days off in my life. One was for spinal cord injury and one was ten years ago for a spinal injury (laughs) (laughs) and you only took one day off for both I took two days off one day yeah no no, I took one day off and then I quit both jobs (laughs) but um, yeah I don't do sick days I don't understand sick days they really upset me well I think that it's quite controversial isn't it sick notes because what if that person had their own 
they had to take the off because they had to cope with their own mental illness. Yeah, exactly. Or that. physical yeah, illness yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. Or yeah. actually they had a crisis at home, family yeah. crisis. Family emergency. Emergency. And yeah. then you want them to go to the doctor. Yeah. When obviously like GP time is quite stretched and and that's going to take up more time out of work and maybe they're not comfortable with that. And then they feel they have to prove it because of course... Okay, you're really yeah. mad <laughs> enough. Really sorry. Right. But that's, that's interesting. Now you're going to get question. out and bring it up. I get yeah. it. No, I'm, I'm higher above Yeah. <laughs> I would say, okay, you said you can work from home. It's because you stopped drinking. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. You need to start drinking again. Oh, I'm doing tired things from there, but like, take the week off. All right, guys, um, I think we need to move along because we are, we are running. I have now painted myself in a very bad light. <laughs> So, Chris hasn't quite finished cleaning his trainers. He has a lot of trainers. So I'm back again. Today's question is from John in Manchester. He said, I discovered this is spinal crap recently when a fellow SCI friend told me about it. I've binged it and it's one of my favorite podcasts at the moment. I love a good podcast. Aside from TISC, which which are your favorite podcasts? Ooh. Which are yours? Ruth, you've got, love, you've got to love a podcast. I love a podcast. Go on. Um, I'm very basic in my podcast taste, really. I love um, Shag Married Annoyed. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Do you yeah. watch it? Oh, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very funny. It's Chris and Rosemary Ramsey, and it's just basically them just sniping at each other about their marriage. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> and um, I love The Guilty Feminist. Do you know mm-hmm. if you've ever heard That's that? Good, yeah. It's really like good. That. It's just comedians who are feminists, but they're not very good feminists. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I should I should so be on that show. That would be me. Um, and then I really like drunk women solving crime. Have you ever heard that? No. That's really funny. It's a bit like our but, Christmas episode. Oh, right. Okay. They get, it's brilliant. Their sponsor every week is a different drinks company. And it's basically <laughs> these women sitting around a table drinking. And at the start of the show, the, the host of the show introduces this true crime that happened at some point in history. And um, they have to, and she, she just feeds them little pieces of information. And the drunker they get, the more crazy stuff they come up with. They have to try and solve the crime, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very funny. By the end, they're like slurring their words and all sorts. <laughs> and they just come up with the funniest, funniest solutions to the crimes. It, it, it's it's hilarious. Um, yeah, oh, I've got quite a few more, but those I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll stop there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh yeah, I'm I'm really into history podcasts. Oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah. There's one called um, "You're Dead to Me." It's a BBC yes, one. Love that's it. Really yeah. good. I love it because I've got a friend who's um, a TV personality historian, and I'll just be listening to something or watching TV, and she pops up, and I'm like, oh. Oh, it's my friend. That's really exciting. Um, yeah, so that's really, and I love the Illusionist. It's um, etymology podcast. I just okay. I'm so into etymology. It's, I don't even um, know what that is. Um, it's the origin of words. So the oh, science of words. Wow. Like Stephen Fry has one about yeah. words, doesn't yeah, he? Has yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I was actually explaining to my dad the origin of the word uh, Paralympic the other day. So shall I go into it? Well, yeah. Olympia is the Olympics. Yeah, right. but um, so so basically, so paraplegia yeah. comes from the Greek lines, and um, because they had this concept in Greek medicine that you like people on puppet strings. So when you're paralysed, your paralysis, para is line, lysis is cuts. So your lines are cut, oh. right? So um, so then obviously we heard about Mr. Dr. Gutman at the Stoke Mandeville, mm. and a lot of people were paraplegic there because tetraplegic people weren't 
didn't have such a great recovery rates back then. He started off the, the gaming, you know, all the sports, yeah. and everyone was paraplegic, so it was the Paralympics. And then the Paralympics have sort of taken on the name of spinal cord injury. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Q, cool. love a podcast? Mm. I... Obviously, this it, one. Obviously, <laughs> this one, and uh, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be, to be, have, we, have we converted you, you to podcasts? Yes, you have. Yes. Definitely, yes. And to be fair, oh. I, I hadn't really listened to podcasts before. He didn't either, know what no. a podcast yeah. was when he was doing clue. one. No, I didn't. Yeah. Know. <laughs> I have to say, like, as a, for managing mental health, podcasts are great. You know, yeah. like if you can't, if you've got too much noise in your head late at night, pop on a podcast. Mm. Helps you sleep, get that rest. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Good idea. So good. Yeah, no, I, I I'm a YouTube watcher. I like I really like watching people dig things out of the ground. So, archaeology, opal hunters, gold gold hunters, that sort of thing. Really? Yeah, yeah. I download vast quantities of podcasts till my phone stops working. <laughs> which I, I didn't wonder what you were going to say there. Yeah, vast quantities of the the ones I do get to listen to are mainly political ones, oh, like right. New Statesman podcast. Mm. And other than that, I've got a load of meditation apps which I pay for. <laughs> Some of calm. which I actually listen calm? to. I have calm, That's yes. Really good. And waking up. Oh, don't know that one. Okay, well, we'll have to check them out. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, I'm assuming, I'm assuming uh, Chris obviously listens to Chelsea podcasts. And... Uh, Chris likes um, true crime ones. I think he said. I think he listened to Serial. I think he told me, which is also a really good one. And he likes Shag Married Night as well. Um, though aside from that, he, we did have a conversation about it, but I cannot remember. The only one I have listened to is the James Haskell one, who's rugby. Uh, Mike Tindall, which is might, pretty good. I think Chris might listen to the Peter Crouch podcast, which is oh, called yeah, the good, Peter actually. Crouch yeah, podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, which is supposed to be very good as well. Well, this is normally where we end the show, but not today. Well, I mean, it kind of is. But before we go, um, we have had a pretty heavy discussion, so we need to end it on quite a high note. So can we give our biggest, loudest, happiest happy birthday to Mark? Happy, happy birthday! birthday! <laughs> Until next time, this is Spinal Crap. Bye! Bye. Thanks for listening to This Is Spinal Crap. And thank you to our sponsors, Colaplast. If you like this week's show, please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media.